You are listening to Love, Maine Radio, hosted by Dr. Lisa Belisle and recorded at the studios of Maine Magazine in Portland. Dr. Lisa Belisle is a physician and editor-in-chief of Maine, Maine Home Design, Old Port, Ageless, and Moxie Magazines. Love, Maine Radio show summaries are available at lovemainradio.com, grownupgirl.com, where you can get personalized guidance and encouragement for growing a simple yet vibrant life through free advice, workshops, and mentoring programs with local experts. You deserve to shine. Go to grownupgirl.com now to learn about our available programs and classes designed just for you in the Portland area. Portland Art Gallery is proud to sponsor Love, Maine Radio. Portland Art Gallery is the city's largest and is located in the heart of the Old Port, 154 Middle Street. The gallery focuses on exhibiting the works of contemporary Maine artists and hosts a series of monthly solo shows in its newly expanded space, including Brenda Sirioni, Daniel Corey, Jill Hoy, and Dave Allen. For complete show details, please visit our website at artcollectormaine.com. Love, Maine Radio is also brought to you by Aristel, a lingerie boutique on Exchange Street in Portland's Old Port, where everybody is seen as a work of art and beauty is celebrated from the inside out. Shop with us in person or online at aristel.com. Steve Rodrigue is the owner and founder of Maine Raised Gardens, a full-service vegetable garden company. He previously worked at Johnny Selected Seeds. Thanks for coming in today. Thank you. I love this topic. I, um, I think more and more people are doing gardening in the state of Maine. I think it's coming back again. We always did it. Yes. It's coming back yep. again. Um, and the idea of raised gardens kind of creates a little bit more uh, ease of use, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I started off with the idea of just doing raised beds uh, the first year. This, this coming year, I will uh, be offering in-ground gardens as well. I realize that raised gardens aren't for everybody, um, so I want to I want to target everybody. You grew up here in Augusta. Yes. And um, you have kind of an interesting you have kind of an interesting background. Not everybody goes into horticulture. No, I uh, let's see where do I start. Um, I think first off, I'd say what kind of got me into, I was first interested in trees. I thought I'd go to school for forestry. And I can recall as a, as a young child uh, working with my dad and my grandfather doing firewood and both of them teaching me the different trees just from looking at the bark and sometimes even the smell. Then from there, I remember one time actually uh, being sick with the, with the flu and after a few days of you know laying in bed, I finally was was up, and my mother brought me to Longfellow's greenhouses, which I later did an internship during my during college. Uh, and I just remember being around the plants and feeling really, really uh, happy and healthy and uplifted. And then later on, I worked for the city of Augusta, planting trees and gardens around the city. And I worked with a man named Larry, who had actually gone to school for landscape uh, design. And that's when I finally realized that it wasn't just a hobby. I could actually go to school for this. And here I am now. It's interesting. I didn't realize that you could actually tell different trees by what they smell like. Yeah, some have distinctive smells, uh, specifically cherry. You can smell the wood. It has a slight smell of cherry. Um, I even say that red oak kind of smells like ketchup, which I don't know if everybody agrees with me on that, but... It sounds like this is the kind of thing that people know about, but it's not necessarily common knowledge. Right. Yeah, I would I would say that for sure. Uh, I wouldn't say all 
there's not a lot of people that have wood stoves in Maine. I mean, there, there are a lot, but at the same time, there's a lot of people that don't rely on wood stoves. Uh, I remember that we had a wood stove ever since my whole life, actually. So so that's how you became involved with the smelling of the wood. Is it when they, things actually burn that you can smell this, or is it when they're being cut? Or uh, it's, it's when you're stacking it, when you're splitting it, when you're cutting it, all the above. I'm interested also in this idea that you were not feeling well and your mom brought you to a place that had plants and somehow it kind of energized you. Is this something that you've noticed throughout your life? That Yeah, I think, um, I mean, seeing green plants is uplifting, I think, to, to anybody, whether they realize it or not. So, um, Maine Raised Gardens, you've been doing this for the past year and the pamphlet that I have says that this is perfect for restaurants, inns, bed and breakfasts, cafes, schools, assisted living and elderly care, community gardens, business parks, and anyone who needs just a little help. Do you find that people are responsive to this business? Yeah, uh, the first year actually most of my business was in the uh, residential sector, so had a lot of, a lot of uh, homeowners that actually wanted gardens at their house. Uh, some just for themselves, some for their whole family, some for the kids. Um, so yeah, and I, I think in reality, I think it's a great fit for anybody because we all have to eat, right? So, are more and more people asking you to do, to do gardens for them for the eating or for just the enjoyment of the gardening itself? I would say it's 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 both. I guess I mean the end result is going to be eating, right? Because I'm just doing just edible gardens trying to differentiate from a regular landscape company that does uh, ornamentals. That's where I first started, and then I started working at Johnny's, got more into uh, edibles and, and vegetables and, and whatnot. So now that's what I'm just targeting. That's trying to be very specific. Tell me about your time at Johnny's. Mm -hmm. So I worked there for nearly six years as a vegetable research technician. So my job was to, uh, I was responsible for about a half a dozen crops and I would solicit uh, from different companies different, uh, seed varieties, working with different breeding companies throughout the world, get the seeds back, design the trials, do the evaluations, and then ultimately pick and choose what went into our 200 plus page catalog. So you would actually, um, so when you say design the trials, you mean plant the seeds and see what happens or? Yeah, we had, uh, we had a farm crew that would, would seed them in the greenhouse and I was there to monitor germination and then we would have them planted out in the field and then I would monitor them throughout the season, make sure that they were getting the care that they needed and then I would look at a, you know, uh, a wide range of criteria for those crops. So what are the types of criteria that you use to determine whether um, they would be a good fit for the catalog? Yeah, so it's it really differs from uh, crop to crop, but some of the specifics we would look for disease, we would look for uh, how long something would hold in the field. Um, so there's a, there's a couple ideas of what we would look at. Flavor, that was, a, that was really big. We would do taste trials, so sometimes in my carrot trial, carrots was, were one of my crops, there might be 70, 70 plus varieties and I'd have to go through and taste test, so. Wow. that's. So trying to determine out of 70 types of carrots, which one was the tastiest, that's quite something. Yes, it was, 
it it wasn't we didn't I didn't have to taste all seventy five because there were some that you would you would select out they they weren't uniform enough or they had bolted and gone to seed before they even produced a root so there were there were some eliminating factors in the beginning which made it a little bit easier but yes definitely definitely a tricky tricky thing so where did you get these seeds from these are from companies throughout the world um, all yeah all all over the world so different breeding companies. And do they contact Johnny's and say, hey, we have these seeds, or do you somehow find out about them? Or? There, were, there were some of that, and also uh, Johnny's has been around for, uh, they just had their 40-year anniversary just a couple, few years ago, and they, so they had worked with a lot of these companies you know, over those 40 years, so they had developed relation, relations with them. What have you um, found to be your favorite edibles? Hmm. Let's see here. Yeah, that's tricky. I think one crop that I think is very interesting is chicory. Uh, that's the world of radicchio, Belgian endive, uh, escarole. It's a crop that nobody, I shouldn't say nobody, but a lot of people don't know about. Um, it's not very popular in the U.S. I think I think it's, it's getting there. I remember when I was applying to Johnny's, I was reading a book on root cellaring, and one of the crops in there was Belgian endive. How you have to you grow the you grow the chicory outside, dig the roots up in the fall, and then you actually plant them inside through the winter, and then you force them into the the chigons. And I thought, wow, that's really neat. I'd like to like to grow that someday. Never knew if I'd really get around to it. Then I got the job at Johnny's about a month later, and that was one of my crops. And that that same year, I was growing Belgian endive under the counters in the dark so you have to you have to grow it in the dark because it, uh, you want to exclude the sunlight why isn't that a popular food here in the United States I think mostly because it's 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 a bitter green and that's kind of not really uh, something that most Americans like is bitterness although they don't realize it but they do because they like coffee and they like IPA beers right so well, I have noticed that more and more people are aware of things like dandelion roots and dandelion leaves and other types of bitters. There are more people, it's, it seems to be this is more of a thing. Yeah, I think things are becoming more popular. It's, uh, it, what's the next best thing? I mean, years ago, uh, you know, Brussels sprouts and cabbage were, that was what, you know, peasants ate. And now that's, you see that, on the, that's like the number one thing sometimes in, in restaurants. So. I think it's we're getting kind of bored with some of our our uh, regular things that we've eaten over the years, and now it's yeah, what's the next what's the next newest thing? Does that same sort of um, does that same sort of idea occur in horticulture, where there's people get a little bored of the plants that they're growing, and they think, oh, I want to try something different? Yeah, there um, each year there's new you know new varieties coming out, both in the ornamental and um, in the edible industry, if you will. Uh, it's, it's, yeah, it's just let's get let's get rid of the old stuff and let's come in with the new stuff. So, what are some of the things that are on the horizon right now? Uh, I I mean, really, there's in the the breeding industry and in, in the well in the seed industry, the breeding aspect is huge. There's that's there's companies that have you know multi million dollar breeding departments that are just working towards coming out with new varieties. Um, some of that is to combat disease issues that these varieties are seeing. Um, there's also uh, cold hardiness. That's something people are looking at. There's yeah, there's a whole slew of 
reasons why these breeding companies are coming out with new varieties. When you study horticulture and you got your degree at the University of Maine, what are the types of courses that you um, go through in order to get that degree? Yeah, there's uh, I mean, a lot of plant classes. I took a lot of uh, woody ID, herbaceous ID. Uh, those were some of my favorite, favorite classes. Um, there's soil science, and then I, I was in a design concentration, so a lot of uh, design classes where I was actually hand hand drawing, doing residential designs. And so when you say design, you mean designing what a landscape might look like? Yes, exactly. So this has come in handy then as you've moved into your own company. Yeah, I think it's kind of combining all of my interests into one. I, I really like building, I like hands-on. Um, I love food. I want to grow my own food. Um, kind of been working on that over the past few years. Long ways to go still, but uh, yeah. So it's combining all of my. It's combining design. It's combining construction, uh, hands-on, food, all all into one. So if I was a residential customer and contacted you. Um, is that something that you start the process in the spring and start having conversations about what that might look like and then you actually get into the sowing of the seeds in, I don't know, May, something like that? Ideally, we'd have the conversation in the winter. Um, I think a lot of people start to think about gardening kind of as towards the tail end of winter as spring's approaching. Um, so in reality, we can talk about it anytime, uh, but ideally it would be, be in the winter. Um, so tell me what that process looks like. Somebody finds out about Maine Raised Gardens and mm -hmm. says, yeah, I want to do this, and they get in touch with you. And where do you go from there? So I set up a consultation. I do free consultations, and then I meet with a customer. I see, uh, I look at where their ideas are, or where, where they want the gardens, and I really try to nail down their goals and expectations. Uh, what, do they, what do they want to do? Do they want to grow all their own food? Do they want to be able to serve uh, salads to their... To their guests that come to their house all summer long, really narrow that down so then I can uh, give them exactly what they're looking for. And what do people tend to um, want you to grow for them? Is it more like I want to have some tomatoes and basil so I can have pesto or? It really depends on the customer. Uh, I get all, all kinds of things. I mean I get, I get some of that. Sometimes customers there's, they say I don't know, I don't care, just plant, plant whatever. Um, yeah, so it really, really varies. I've talked to some restaurant owners that are um, maybe just interested in growing some herbs for like garnishes for their cocktails in their restaurant. And that, it could be as simple as that, or it could be as as uh, more. It could be a lot more elaborate than that too. So if somebody says, "All right, Steve, I'm going to have you come to my house, and I'm going to let you do whatever you want," what do you suggest as far as the types of foods that um, you would plant? Well, first, it, it depends on um, how big the garden's going to be. Do they want one bed? Do they want three beds? Do they want, you know, six beds? It, it really depends. I would, I, I would try to really narrow down at least what they like to eat. I would ask them, what do you really like and what do you really not like? At least if I, a lot of people know, know what they don't want. They might not always necessarily know what they do want, though. So somebody said, okay, so I don't want onions let's say but I do like broccoli and cauliflower are you able to balance out different things so that they're not just getting broccoli and cauliflower yeah and there's also um, different techniques too such as like succession plantings so instead of planting a whole bed of broccoli I can 
I can plant a row of it and then plant a row of it a week later. And so then they're getting harvested multiple times throughout the season to stagger it out. Do you also try to grow plants together that seem to be symbiotic? Yeah, that's a whole other world. Uh, it's, it's, it's an interesting idea. Um, I haven't, I haven't done that yet. I, I need to look into that more. Uh, there are things where you don't plant all the same crops together, and that's for pest and disease issues. But what about some of the soil issues? Um, because some plants, I, I would think, would offer different nutrients back into the soil than others. That's another thing I need to look into. I, I've, um, I think there's there's definitely something to that, but I don't think it's. Um, it shouldn't hinder somebody from trying gardening. You're gonna, you're gonna, you're gonna succeed. You're gonna fail. There, it's just you have to, you have to try, th- try different things e- each year. So, what are some of the plants that um, you had a lot of success with last year for your residential customers? I'd say uh, lettuce was a lettuce was a really good one, um, and I think it also comes down to uh, watering too. You, if if you water correctly, plants will plants will. Um, you know they'll they'll thrive. A lot of times people tend to overwater or they water too frequently, and really the idea is you want to water uh, infrequently but deeply. So then you get those roots established, you get the roots deep, and then um, plants will be a little bit more resilient. But I would say lettuce and another one was pumpkins. I had one customer they grew uh, just a few pumpkin plants in one of the beds that I installed for them, and they had produced 18 pumpkins out of that one bed. I was pretty amazed at that. So. Does that have anything to do with where they live, where their gardens are located? Um, potentially. Uh, it was in a it was in a full sun area. Um, they had a good soil and compost mix that I had brought in. Um, yeah, they had uh, one of their one of their little boys tended it every day, watering it, and so it was. It was uh, I think it got a lot. We got a lot of care. So if you come in and you notice that somebody does not have good soil is that how you deal with it is to bring in some soil yourself or bring in uh, compost for them to use yeah so i recommend i recommend uh raised beds if you if you're gonna have if you have really poor soil I, uh, you can amend soil that's in the ground uh it just may take a little bit longer to really get that garden going and i think to get people really engaged it's nice to have kind of a, a good impact the first year and make them want to the next year um but yeah, there's definitely there's there's ways around it. It's uh, you just have to kind of think outside of the box. No, no pun intended. But so if somebody comes along and says, "I would like to have um, this garden in the ground here near my house," and you notice that the soil is just not going to be that great for that particular year, will you help them amend that soil and maybe suggest a raised bed? Yeah. So that's that's part of the consultation phase. So if somebody if they say they want a garden in ground here, part of my job is to start digging around seeing how that soil is um, feeling it for texture even smelling it um, there's there's a lot of different things you can do to really see how that soil is there and then it comes in then then the education comes in where you may have to kind of sway the customer one way um, but ultimately it is their their choice in the end so do you notice a lot of difference between people who are trying to put gardens in on the coast versus more inland uh, that's a good good question. I, uh, I I did install a few gardens down in um, uh, let's see down in Lincolnville this year, and I did one in Rock Rockland. But most of my work this summer was actually more inland. Um, I did a, a big job in Jefferson, which I was not expecting that, but um, that was uh, that actually 
got some pretty neat photos on that that'll be displayed on my on my website along with some other the other works I've done. But yeah, so it's uh, that's what I was expecting, but it wasn't necessarily the case this year. So. And when you're working on the coast versus inland, are there different things that you have to think about for your clients? Um, not too much. Um, I'd say there's probably less frost on the coast, um, or, or the frost is usually later in the season. Um, so there's just kind of some minor like microclimate th- issues that I'd have to, I shouldn't say issues, but microclimate uh, challenges that I, challenges and opportunities, I should say, that I have to be aware of. Speaking of challenges and opportunities, what have you noticed in your own life as you've decided what path you wanted to travel with regard to your career? Um, I think the biggest thing has been the first year if I, when I would get maybe a little slow with, with work, I would pick up a little side job and then all of a sudden I'd get really busy again with my work. So that was, uh, that was kind of tricky trying to balance that. So I think it's basically just a work-life balance, which can kind of be tricky. This, this year I plan on just working for myself, uh, having a few little side projects that I'll work on. I grow pea shoots on the side, I've done that in the past. So I think I'll do that this year. So then if I need to slow down with one thing, I can because it'll be, it'll, be it'll be my own thing rather than um, an obligation working for somebody else. So having, I guess, a little more um, faith in the process with, with regard to your own business and your own clients? Yeah, um, there's no doubt in my mind that this year is going to be better than last year, and the year after that is going to be even better than this year. So you just have to buckle down and go for it. What types of things are you um, hearing about in your industry with regard to gardening? Yeah, I think when I first started in horticulture, I think it was still more of an ornamental basis. there were uh, there wasn't a whole lot being done with like environmentally friendly gardening companies. Uh, There's still a lot of pesticides being used, and I think I think uh, the movement is more towards uh, environmentally sound um, use of more natives, less pesticides, all that. But I still think we have a lot of work to do um, in the landscape and gardening industry to um, change that. I think going forward, you're going to see more of that. You see more of it in the news, uh, people talking about it. Consumers are more aware of it. So I think think things will improve. We've had several um, referendums down in this neck of the woods, and perhaps you've also had it up where you live, that have to do with residential pes- pesticide application. And um, I'm, a, I'm a big fan of not using pesticides whenever possible, but they're still, then you end up with pests. So how do you deal with that type of thing naturally? Yeah, there's a, there's a, num- there's a number of ways. Um, sometimes it can be just the timing of when you plant something. It can be, there's also, uh, I really like the method of exclusion. So for instance, flea beetles, flea beetles they uh, love brassicas. They put little holes in brassica leaves. And also cabbage moths. You can take a row fabric and you cover those crops until they're ready to harvest and it excludes the insects. So no pesticides. So there are tricks that are out there that you could use if you wanted to have a garden not using pesticides. Yeah, and I, th- I think uh, that's the that's one of the biggest advantages of having a small garden. You can you can really manage it. You can take care of it. It's not um, you know it's harder on a farm on a farm scale 
but on a smaller scale it's it's definitely definitely doable guards i've had for the past 10 12 years i've never used a pesticide in any of them so what about weeds what about herbicides and use of chemicals for weeds well i think <laughs> weeds are kind of like there's a saying you know a weed is just a plant that maybe you don't have a you don't know what it is yet or you don't have a purpose for it. it's kind of like dirt and soil soil is uh in the you know outside and dirt's underneath your fingernails and in the corner of your you know kitchen floor or something so a lot of these we or a lot of these plants that we call weeds are actually have a lot of uses for instance you, you mentioned the dandelion greens um you can use both the greens and the root there's yeah so i think i think we have to change kind of our viewpoint on some of these topics that have been ingrained in our minds since you know children or from our grandparents and and whatnot i think in a in a small garden there's there's ways around that too there's mulching uh it's a small garden is easier to tend to raised beds are great because the soil is not compacted you're never walking on it so it's really easy to weed so i think uh, weeds are one of the one of my like things i worry about the least actually um, do you ever have clients ask you about things like GMOs? You know, I, I, I haven't yet, um, but I definitely know I will. I think, uh, you know, first started off, know your farmer, then, you know, where's our food coming from? And now it's even getting deeper than that. Where, where do the where do our seeds come from? Um, there's, you see that some seed companies are being more and more transparent where the, where the seeds are being bred, where they're where they're coming from. Uh, so I think yeah, I'll, I'll definitely have that question. Um, when you do plantings, do you try to avoid seeds that you know have genetically modified organisms? Yeah, I that's one of my one of my goals too. Uh, I should say goals. That's just what I'm going to be doing. Um, no, yeah, no, no GMOs. I also want to be really picky about where where my seeds are coming from, like uh, the companies that are breeding them. There's so there's kind of behind the scenes with that as well. And what about compost? Mm-hmm. Compost, uh, yeah, I've I've used some of coast of Maine. I've used that. I've used a couple different sources. I also have a friend that does his own composting. And he uses leaves and grass clippings, and he's also using uh, a byproduct uh, seaweed from his. He actually has a mussel farm in Maine, so he's putting that in the compost as well. So I have a, some pretty good sources for com- for compost. So if somebody needed you to provide compost, you'd already have it available and yeah. to use on their beds. Yep, just a call away. What are you noticing about uh, restaurants and the types of herbs that they want you to grow? What types of things are they asking about? Yeah, I th- I think um, it's it. I haven't had a lot of work with restaurants yet. Uh, I've been I've been meeting with some and talking with them. Uh, they're definitely definitely interested. I think this year there'll be more of the more of the commercial side than than last year, um, which was more of residential business for me. But I think it's, it'll be mostly mostly things that they use on a regular basis. Um, probably some of, some of the more common ones. But maybe some herbs that they can't get at the grocery store or from the farmers market. Do you think that in general people are more aware about herbs and their use for cooking? I think so. I think so. Yeah. Um, it's yeah. I yeah. Definitely. I definitely think so. What are some of your favorite herbs to use? And you said that you like to cook. So what do you like to cook? I my favorite herbs to start with that uh, sage. 
I love I love sage. Uh, I love rosemary. I love thyme. So I guess some of the more common ones, but those are my kind of my my go tos. I would I would say. And do those find your way into your cooking? Yeah, um, I sometimes I, I might not pair the the herbs or the correct dish. I just kind of mix them in, but it's uh, it, it works. The end result is great. So. Are you trying to, um, are you growing things year-round? You talked about um, some of the lettuces that you had worked on in the past. Yeah, so I, let's see, where do I start with that? Um, one of my focuses actually at Johnny's was winter growing, and I was fascinated with growing through the winter in unheated passive tunnels, so there's no electricity, nothing. I would go out and manually roll up the sides, everything. And I was amazed at what you could grow late into the season. Uh, I was growing stuff into uh, Christmas time, some things into January, and this was all with no no heat whatsoever. So spinach, chicory, uh, even parsley and cilantro can make it through the winter. Uh, so yeah, there's. I think a lot of people don't realize that. A lot of people ask me, "What are you gonna do? What are you gonna do in the winter?" And there's there's a lot of work that can be done in the winter as well. What about growing things inside? Do you, you have clients that start growing things inside that they can then put it to their gardens when the spring comes? I would I would imagine I, I will have that. I haven't I haven't uh, encountered that yet though. But. Where would you like to see your business go over the next five years? Good question. Yeah. Um, uh, really, I'd like to. I mean, I want to tap into the commercial market. I think uh, it's gonna it'll really take off with restaurants and bed and breakfasts and inns. Uh, so I really, really want that. I want to uh, develop an education portion of my business where we can go into schools, we can educate uh, children, we can, if, if a residential customer wants us to come there and do uh, an hour-long session every month or every two weeks with their, with them and their, their family, their kids, uh, we can do that. So there's a lot of, so I've got a lot of ideas for the next five years. I'm trying to stay focused right now with a few ideas. Um, and a few different options, and then just each year kind of coming out with new options to keep people engaged. This coming year, you'll see I, I'll offer mushroom logs that I actually uh, do right at my house. There'll be oysters this year. Um, also on-site and off-site composting, uh, potentially even uh, donations to food banks when a garden is producing way too much and the people can't keep up with it. I can do a donation in their name to local food banks. So there's a lot of, get a lot of ideas, but trying to, Trying to stay focused and not, um, you know, weigh myself down too much with too many different options. For people who are in a more urban area, are you going to be offering um, rooftop gardens? Yeah, so that's something that I'm really interested in. Um, there, there's other companies in throughout the United States that are doing that. There's, uh, I think, there's a little, maybe a little bit of work in in Maine in some places, but I don't think. I, I mean, looking downtown Portland, there's a lot of there's a lot of flat roofs and I think there's a lot of potential there. So I'm trying to, people say, well, I live in a city, I can't grow a garden. And I kind of want to um, change their mind on that and say that you can grow a garden. Um, just have to maybe think outside of the box a little bit. I've been speaking with Steve Rodrigue, who is the owner and founder of Maine Raised Gardens, a full service vegetable garden company. He previously worked at Johnny's Selected Seeds and, uh, I'm really glad that you took the time to come in and talk with me today. I encourage anybody who's interested to get in touch with you and plan their garden for the summer. Great. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Love Maine Radio is brought to you by Maine Magazine, Aristel, Portland Art Gallery, Art Collector Maine, and by grownupgirl.com. 
Our editorial producer is Kate Gardner. Our assistant producer is Shelby Wasik. Our community development manager is Casey Lovejoy. And our executive producers are Andrea King, Kevin Thomas, and Dr. Lisa Belisle. For more information on our production team, Maine Magazine, or any of the guests featured here today, please visit us at lovemainradio.com.